0: so great to be here today isn't you know just such a this is such a lovely little town isn't it it's absolutely the most amazing drive up here normally it's like crazy it's traffic and uh, the motorway was really clear and i'm coming across all these lovely country lanes i'm thinking this is like going on holiday it's like absolutely fantastic so really privileged to be i want to just bring you greetings from my wife from my family uh, from everybody at net church and from assemblies of god from the leadership team and from Pastor Glenn Barrett. So I want to talk today about standing. It's been a crazy season, hasn't it? And, um, you know, I love what Paul talks about in Ephesians. We're going to look at that, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, where he tells us to stand. And it's funny, you know, everything changed a couple of years ago and suddenly, you know, you're, you're leading church, leading teams, pastoring, preaching, doing all that stuff, and all of a sudden, for two years, you're in front of a camera. And uh, where before you got all the worship and the team and the countdown and all this stuff, and there's a great atmosphere in the in the building before you get up. And for two years it was. Are you ready, Roy? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. In one, two, and you're just standing there in front of the camera. So great to see people and hug people and be part of stuff. But you know, uh, it's been a very challenging time for us, and we've had to we've had to learn new things, haven't we? And we've had to learn to dig deep into God, to dig deep into the Spirit of God. And now I guess, you know, now we're coming out of it. How should we come out as a church? And, you know, the thing on my heart, the thing I've been sharing with my church and with people that I've been meeting across the country is I think the church needs to come out fighting. We need to come out fighting. And, you know, when we look at Ephesians 6, Paul's whole thing its military language. There's a battle going on. We've got to be strong and we've got to come out fighting. And, um one of the key things is just learning to stand a couple of weeks ago it was my daughter's 21st birthday and she wanted to go ice skating with her friends and then she wanted to have a party at home so a couple of days before we were getting the house ready and my wife got this like big massive uh, balloon arch wall thing and she's like Roy we're going to have this big balloon arch I'm like, that's great, thinking, you know, I've got to puff a few little balloons up. And there was something like 340 balloons. <laughs> like, seriously, babe, 340. I'm not gonna, That's my whole day off. And I was, I was like... <laughs> like, this arm was, like, huge by the end of it. And it was a couple of weeks ago. Remember we had that lovely sunny spell? And we were like, whoa, spring is here. This is amazing. So we blew all these balloons up. And what happened is... We, the back of our house, we've got this this like sunroom. It's like it's like a conservatory, but it's brick walls and it's just got a glass roof. And the sun came out, and it was like, oh, this is amazing. But the trouble is, it was so hot that all the balloons were bursting. So as I'm blowing them up, they're going bang, 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 popping. I'm like, this is, a, and I'm pff, 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 I can't keep ahead of it. So in the end, I said to my wife, "We just got to put the we just got to put it up. We just got to get this thing up. Or we'll be here all night." So as I'm putting it up, one of them went, bang, right in my ear. And my ear started ringing, and uh, it was really weird. Kind of, you know, and all night my ear's ringing. And I woke up in the morning, and I went down, and I made my cup of coffee, and suddenly I'm like, I was like a drunk person. I couldn't stand up. I think, what's going on? That's really weird. So I went into the office. I'm going through. There's a couple of moments in the day I'm feeling a little shaky. I'm thinking that's strange but you know, drink tea and carry on as we do and that weekend my wife had a conference for ladies, for lady uh, ministers, we had Baptist ministers and Church of England ministers and Presbyterian and AOG and Elim and the place was full and she did this conference and it was her first one, I'm like you know look I'm going to hang around just to make sure just in case you know we know we've got all the teams there and she's like oh thanks Roy, I really appreciate that and the first session she was there and I wanted to hear her preach and so we've got a kind of, it's like an old London theater Building. you've got the downstairs and then you've got you know, the circle uh, galleries and we've got about 450 seats in all the balconies and I sat right at the top, right at the back and I'm there in the dark and you know, I've got my popcorn you know. and, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching my wife and she's doing an absolutely amazing job and all of a sudden the room starts going to the left and it starts moving to the right and it's moving left and then it's moving right and then it starts going round and round and round and I'm hanging on to the chair and I went to stand up and I just fell and I crawled all the way up the stairs, I crawled into my office and I just laid on the floor and I'm just laying there on the floor and as soon as I move my head, everything starts moving and I start, just start being sick and I must have been sick for about 20 times and in the end I'm laying on the floor and I'm like, I can't move. And the conference finished and uh, my, my son comes up He she goes, Dad, we're looking for you. What are you doing on the floor? And I'm ill, son, I'm ill, I can't move. He's, I'm going to get mum and mum comes up and she's like, babe, what, what's up? I went, I don't know, but I cannot, I cannot move. She says, we've got to go home, I've got all the speakers down there, I'm taking them out. You know, you, you need to stand up. I went, I can't, I cannot move. And so I said, you're going to have to just go home and you're going to have to leave me. And she's like, some of the staff came up. like, Oh, we can't leave you on the floor. I'm like, just go, lock up, I can't move. So they managed to get me up on the settee and uh, they got me a duvet and they left me there and I was there till five o'clock in the morning. Now, normally I'm, I'm pretty good on my feet. I love sailing, you know, hanging off the edge of the boats, pulling the mainsail, sailing and, and I like cycling and walking and sport. I did judo for years. I got, a, you know, as a kid, I, I used to walk on my hands. I got a great sense of balance. But one little thing happened. One small thing happened and it completely floored me. And I was unable to stand and sometimes, you know, we're strong, we're full of faith, we're full of the Word of God. You know, we're going and we're going and we're going and we're taking hits and we're taking knocks and we're moving and we're ducking and we're diving. And sometimes just one little thing happens and it floors us. It knocks us down and we feel like we're disoriented. we don't know what we're doing. But God hasn't called us to live on the floor, he's called us to stand and he teaches us to overcome those things. And I want to read to you from the book of Ephesians and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. He says this finally, finally. So he started the letter and he's talked about, you know, we're predestined, we were known, you know, in Christ before the foundation we're chosen, that we've got a purpose in God, that, that, you know, he prays that we understand his power and he says, listen, there's no longer, no Jew, there's no longer Gentile, you're one and you're, you know, you, you're in this great purpose that's been hidden, it's now revealed to you, the church, and now you've got to live holy lives and this is what Christian life looks like and this is what marriage looks like and this is how kids should treat their parents and us should treat their wives and he goes through the whole thing and then he says, finally, finally, After all of this, I want you, I want you now to listen to what I'm about to tell you. And he says this, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers in this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you will stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I hate those flaming arrows. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and with this be alert and keep praying always the Lord's people so he says this to the church he says finally finally church finally be strong he didn't say church you are strong he didn't say church you are you know you are mighty he said this church be strong in other words you got to choose what kind of church you're going to be As we're coming out of this pandemic, as we're coming out of this season into a new season and I believe it's going to be a great season of harvest. I think God's been doing something deep in us and amazing things are going to happen. But as you come out, eternity down a market, as you come out this season, you choose what kind of church you're going to be. Are you going to be a weak church? Are you going to be a wishy-washy church? Are you going to be a church of, well, we might do, we might not do? Or are you going to be a strong church? Are you going to be a weak Christian in your workplace? A weak Christian in your community? Are you going to be a strong Christian? The choice is yours. And Paul says, finally, church, be strong. Be strong. And, you know, we've got... We got gift, we got talent, we got strength. You know, I'm 53 now and I'm realising that actually I get more tired if I work as hard as I did when I was 30. You know, I, I don't tell anyone, but sometimes I get home and I'm absolutely exhausted. Whereas, you know, I could do all the hours when I was younger. Now I'm thinking I can't do so much. And I guess when you get older, you get people who do stuff, don't you? There is stuff that I used to do and I'm like, I can't, I'm too tired for that now. Let's get some young people to do that. But he says, listen, be strong, and I love this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength. So the key here, and the word that he uses here is the word, endunamis and it comes in the Greek from the word dunamis, which we see in Acts chapter one, you know, when the spirit of God fell upon the church, it talks about the power of the Holy Spirit and that word for power is dunamis. It's divine power. And he uses that same word here. he says, be strong, not in your own strength. you know you've got to do you've got to work hard. if you want to see church grow, you've got to do stuff and looking around, you guys are really on it. I love this. it's amazing. all the work you're doing, the work you're doing in the community, it's incredible and we could do that stuff, but this is why he says be strong in the Lord's power, in his dynamic dynamite, mighty power. be strong in the mighty power of God. And, and, you know, earlier on in chapter one, he talks about the power of God when he's praying for the church, doesn't he? He prays that you might know the incomparable great power of God that is available to us who believe. It is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted when he rose Christ from the dead. His power, God's power, the power that we are to live in, the Apostle Paul writes to the church, he says it's incomparable. Nothing compares to it. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not so keen on winter. Right? Up to Christmas, I'm okay. Come January, I'm done with it. You know, where's the sun gone? When's it coming back? So for me, January, February, March, gray skies, cold, I'm, I'm like, it's not my best me. I wake up in the morning, I look out the window, I'm like, I mean, I should be, great, it's another day, another opportunity to win people for Jesus. But I open my curtains and go, ugh. So, my wife and I, you know, we've we always, holidays are always key for us and our kids. We always save for our holidays. Whenever my kids have grown up, you know, my son's got married. He leads worship, leads the youth, and he, he's gone. My daughter's 21. She doesn't come on holiday with us anymore. And so we've, we've we, we looked at what it costs to go on holiday and what we're saving and thought, ooh, the kids aren't coming. We could do two holidays. So we were like, a couple of years ago, let's book the Caribbean. Let's go all-inclusive. I've never been to the Caribbean. But I can imagine what it was like. Because I've been to Greece, I've been to France, I've been to Spain, I've been to Italy. I've laid on the beach. I've smelt the ombre soleil in the air. I've heard the, you know, the waves of the sea and the kids running around. And the, you know, as you open a cold can of Coke and guzzle it down. And of course, when I got to the Caribbean, it was a little like that, but it was better. But you know when it comes to the power of God, the do no miss power of God, there is nothing on this earth that can compare to God's power. There's nothing that you can measure it up against. You know, there are some pretty powerful things in this world. A lightning bolt has got 300 million volts of electricity. That's pretty powerful isn't it? 300 million volts of electricity. Well, let's just imagine, you know, all of the, all of the, you know, the lightning bolts in the whole universe all going off at once, you know. I ha- just imagine like a thousand light bulbs, uh, light bulbs, a thousand lightning bolts, or or ten thousand, or hundred thousand, or a million lightning bolts. A million times three hundred million—that's a lot. Um, a trillion, yeah. What's next? What's bigger than a trillion? a gazillion yes i love that i don't know if it's real i don't know if that is there but gazillion sounds great any any advance on a gazillion so i googled this i googled this and the biggest number you can ever get is a google plexion now i don't know what that is but i know it's a lot so i want you to imagine a gazillion google plexion lightning bolts of 3 million volts all of that added to the power of the sun the, all of the gravitational pull that holds all the universe together all of that power and the word of God says it can't even compare to the power of God that is available to us who believe see with all the power of all the lightning bolts and the power of the sun and the power of the universe none of that can bring somebody back from the dead to life None of that power can heal someone from the sick, from leprosy. None of that power can forgive somebody of their past or their sin. But God's power that is far greater, you know, it's not worldly power. It's not worldly strength. It is divine power. It is godly power. It's the same power that just spoke and all of the universe came into being. It's that same power that, that, that you know, we're celebrating it next week when God spoke. The ground began to shake. The ground began to shake as Christ came back to the dead, raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Paul says in Romans, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You and I have access to all of the spiritual gifts, to every spiritual gift in the heavenly realms and to the power of God. You know, sometimes I think, little me, what can I do? You know, as I was growing up, when I started preaching, I was so afraid of preaching. I was so afraid of standing in front of people. I would get so nervous that I would lose about two stones. And, you know, we had to put another cup, we got a knitting needle, we had to put another cup of holes in my belt. And they were my preaching holes. Because when I got to preach, I was so nervous, I lost weight and I had to pull my belt even even tighter. And, you know, my wife was talking to my son just a few weeks ago. And he's saying, you know, talking about preaching. And he said, oh, yeah, dad's done this and dad's done that. And, and my wife said, Ellis, when dad used to get up to preach, he was so afraid that his trousers didn't even fit. And I think how amazing it is what God's done, but everything I've done and everything I stand is not in my own strength, it's not in my own ability, but it is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in the power of God. That's what shakes our cities. That's what shakes our town. We had a guy come into our church, his name was Harold. And a friend of mine met him in a hospital and he came to me and he said, I met this guy in hospital and he's dying of cancer. And he said, I've been telling him about Jesus. Can I bring him to church? Can you pray for him? I said, well, you need to talk to the hospital first, but sure. And apparently, so they spoke to him and the hospital said he, he is self-medicating. He's got this box and he's being pumped full of morphine. And they said he can be out of the hospital for two hours. They, they had done CT scan, he had multiple tumours and they were sending him to the hospice the next day. So, Malcolm turned up with Harold. Harold came through the door. He was like a skeleton. So, we had a quick service. You know, we had worship 15 minutes. We got the notes up. And if you're here today on Tuesday, it's the old ladies. And if you want to come to the thing, and the kids things on the and they make sure they hear the thing. Thank you very much. We're going to take the offering and put the pastor back. And we're going to have a quick preaching. And now we're going to pray for the sick. <laughs> and the worship team got up. And, you know, we did it. Harold came to the front. And it's funny, you know, being a pastor, you want to help everyone. You want to make things right for people. You know, I remember we were in a mission in South Africa and a, a woman come up to me at the end of it all and she said, I've got AIDS. And she said, when the community find out, I'll be ousted from the township. And that, that, meant, that meant certain death. And my heart went out and I'm, I'm thinking, what can I do? And there are times in our lives when our strength has run out. As Harold sat there knowing that, you know, this guy has just got weeks to live and there's nothing that I could give him. That's when we need to rely, not on our own strength and not on our own might, but on the mighty, incomparable power of God. We laid our hands on him and said, Harold, be healed in the name of Jesus. And you know what? He went back and before they sent him to the hospice, they did a CT scan and they couldn't believe it. All five tumours, gone. Harold gave his life to Jesus. I didn't see him for about five weeks. I heard he was going through every town in the Isle, every church on the Isle of Sheppey, every church in Symbol and saying, I went to Net Church, I had cancer and God healed me. We need to rely on his mighty power. And Paul goes on to, to, to tell the church, to remind the church that our fight is not against flesh and blood. We're not going out there to physically beat people up. You know, to take ground by force. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against rulers and evil forces in the heavenly realms. There is a battle. This is military language. There is a battle. There is a war going on. There are spiritual powers that are involved in the heavenly realms working against the church to flatten it, to stop it moving forward. In Daniel... (coughs) I went up a little bit there, didn't I? In Daniel chapter 10, you get the account of Daniel's praying and then he has this vision of this angel. And the angel says to him, from the day that you prayed, Daniel, you need to know that you are highly favoured. And from the day that you prayed, God heard your prayer and I was dispatched to meet your need. But on the way, the prince of Persia resisted me and stopped me for 28 days but Michael the prince came to my rescue and defeated the prince of Persia so that I could be here today and you know there is there, there are forces and powers and principalities there is structure there is an army of, of demonic forces who are working against the church and we have this language the prince so you know this prince of Persia he had some ruling power and then Michael the archangel was a prince he defeated him and then you know in John chapter 14 Jesus uses that same phrase when he's talking about Satan he says the prince of this age Satan has the world under its power but he has no power under me and so we would be thinking all my days you know how do we deal with all these spiritual forces and all of these powers what have have we got to do and Paul's answer is very simple you don't need some spiritual exocet missile you don't need some spiritual ballistic tank you don't need some spiritual army you know I remember in the old days growing up in Pentecostal church we used to march we used to have prayer meetings all night prayer meetings you remember those and we'd march around the church and we pray things like, I bind you Satan, I bind you Satan, I bind you devil. And when you think about it, how crazy is that? We never see that in the Bible, do we? The Apostle Paul didn't, I can just imagine the devil, you know, meeting with the demons going, no, I can't go out tonight. <laughs> what do you mean you can't go? I can't go out, Roy Morley has bound me. So I, I can't move, you know. We, the Bible doesn't say doing any of that. This is what the Apostle Paul says, in the light of the battle that we face and the struggles we're against, this is what he says, stand. Stand. That's all you've got to do. All you've got to do in times of trouble and difficulty and persecution and lack of jobs and sickness is stand. Stand. That's it. That's the answer. You've just got to stand. James says this. The devil is like a roaring lion. Seeking somebody to devour. So what's the answer? Resist him. And in the Greek, it's the same word. Stand against him and what? He'll flee. Because he's got no power over you. And he's got no power over me. Paul says to the, uh, the uh, Colossian church, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, Greek word, exousia, from authority of darkness, and taken us into the kingdom of his son. See, if I go over to France and I commit a crime and I become a sinner in France, I'm subject to the rulers of France. But if I am taken by the ruler of England out of France, into the dominion of England, France has no dominion over me. And Paul is using the same language. He says that when we received Jesus Christ, we were taken out of the authority of the evil one and brought into the kingdom of God. We're under God's authority. We have God's power. We have God's reign. And you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10, it says this, the weapons that we have, they're not worldly weapons, but they are mighty and that same word is there used endunistai. they are dunamis they are divine they carry the power of God and they pull down every stronghold every force and you know what is that? it's the gospel of Jesus Christ as we begin to tell people about Jesus the power of darkness falls the power of darkness falls. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who died for the things that we did wrong, death couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead victorious. And if we put our trust in him, we stand, and nothing can take us down. Nothing can knock us down. Nothing can take away our faith, our inheritance, our vision, our mission. Jesus says in John ten ten, you know, I've come that you may have life, and life in all of its fullness. But the thief has come to rob, kill, and destroy. I was in Sainsbury's a few weeks ago. but well, a couple of months ago now. And um, it was Friday night. And um, I was doing the shopping. So we've got, we always get, you know, we pay all our bills by direct debit. Um, my wife and I, would get our personal spend money, our petrol, our food money, and a bit of allowance on our Monzo cards. Anyone got Monzos? Um, we get the... Food money out cash and then the other everything in the other account just pays the bill. So I was um, and I, I have to do the shopping in our house, I do the cooking. I do all the cooking, I do the shopping. My wife she organises everything because I'm terrible at organising things, but I like cooking. So our holidays, Christmas presents, all the you know, all the kids' homework and all that sort of stuff, she just she does it all. And I just cook the dinners. I think I got a great deal. You know, I do the shopping, I get to choose what goes in the basket. So I'm there, so for me, Friday night, steak night. We go to Sainsbury's, we have those big daddy steaks. Ooh, they're lovely. So I'm there at Sainsbury's and I'm getting the money out. And I turn around and there's this great big bloke there. I turn around and I, oh look at him. He bends down and looks at me. And he says, give me that money. Now I know the Bible says, if somebody asks for your coat, you give him your jumper as well. Now, you know, I get that. And the, and the whole thing of, you know, if someone is desperate enough that they're freezing cold, that they have to steal from you, you turn that robbery into a blessing. You recognise the plight that they're in. So you say, hey, listen, you can take my coat. You don't need to steal it. I'm going to give you my coat. And you can have my jumper as well. But this guy, he had a nice leather jacket, an expensive phone, and he was wearing Nikes. He didn't need that. He was just mugging me. And he looked at me and he said, give me your money. I looked at him back. I'm thinking this is steak night. <laughs> so I said, no. He leaned in and he said, give me your money. And I leaned back <laughs> and I said, no. And there was like a half a minute of awkward, and underneath I'm going, send your angels now, Lord. And he just walked away. Now here's the thing. The guy was just a bully. And I know a lot about bullies, because when I was at school, I was really short. And that was before my growth (laughs) spurt. And I used to have to handle bullies a lot. And here's the thing. If I'd given him my money he'd have said, now give me your phone. And if I give him my phone, he'd have said, now give me your watch. And here's the thing, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. He comes to rob you of your hope. And if you give him your hope, he'll come back for your vision. And if you give him your vision, he'll come back for your confidence. And if you give him your confidence, he'll come back for your faith. And we've got to learn to say no. We've got to learn to resist. You know, when the enemy comes and says, you're useless, you're a failure, you're a mistake, your church is never going to grow, your marriage is never going to work, we've got to learn to say no and stand in our faith and recognise that we've come out of his Domain, and we're now in the kingdom of our Son. We're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where every blessing in the heavenly realms is ours, where we are predestined, predetermined to have victory, success, win cities and towns for Jesus. All we need to do is stand. Stand. He says, Stand. The helmet of salvation. I work my way down. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth, the shoes, readiness to preach the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. You know, when I was growing up in the 90s and become a Christian, they, you know, we were taught that we have to physically put our armor on. So as a young Christian, I'd get up and I'd go, right, putting my helmet, salvation on, doing my belt up, put on my, and then, you know, we go through this thing every day but you know Paul's really he when he wrote to the church he was in prison and he's got Roman soldiers there and he's looking at their impenetrable armour and he's thinking do you know what what we have in Christ we are undefeatable that's not a real word is it we cannot be defeated the armour is impenetrable you know we have our faith We are saved. We have been set apart for great things. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. We have eternal life. We have righteousness, not our own righteousness, but Jesus Christ on the cross died to give us his righteousness so that we, you know, Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation. I love that. You may have failed, but there's grace for you. You may have blown it again and again, but there's grace for you when you come back and you say, God, I need you. I can't do this in my power. I need your power. There's grace and forgiveness. There's truth, the truth of the good news, the truth of the word of God. There's the oh, this, is, this is brilliant. The feet, I love the feet. Our greatest weapon is our feet. Not so we can kick people, but the symbol of this is that We've got our shoes on, we're always ready to go somewhere. We've got our shoes on, we're always ready to share the gospel. We're always ready to share the good news. Nothing's going to stop us. You know, when, when people you know, begin to hear that, that we've actually met God, you can meet God, you can know God, and we're ready at any moment to share our faith and to see people's lives change as they receive Jesus Christ. The power of the enemy is broken and they receive a new start and a new hope. So our weapons are our faith, and all we need to do, church, is just to stand in who we are. Some of you are tall. Some of you are short. Some of you can sing. Some of you can can't. Some of you are great admins. Some of you are great administration. Some of you are great visionaries. You know, some of you are great teachers. Some of you are great welcomers, Some of you, you know, you you you're, you've got generosity. You know, we can't be all things, but if we understand who we are and who God's called us to be and we do what we're called to be in God's power then we're unstoppable we are an unstoppable force and you know men and women boys and girls in this town in this village and villages around are going to come to faith in Jesus and God is going to do incredible incredible things I remember you know as a young man uh, 30 years old taking on my first church just saying you know one day we're going to be a church of a thousand and and there was about six elderly people, you know, in there. And I'm just like, man, how is this ever gonna happen? But you just be who you are. You just stand in faith. When the enemy comes to knock you down, and sometimes you might get knocked down, you just get up again. And you realize, listen, I'm a Christian. Jesus has set me apart. He's filled me with the Holy Spirit. God is gonna do this. He said it, he is gonna do it. Great things are gonna happen. I could just preach all day, but I am running out of time. I want to pray for you. Listen, church, we need the power of God, don't we? We need the power. Everything that you are doing, well done. All of your hard work, well done. All of your faith, all of your finance, everything you bring, well done. And we need to keep doing that. But on top of that, we need God. We need God to move in power. So let's just pray for a moment. I'm going to pray for you. As Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that you might know this incomparable great power. That from today, new things are going to happen in your life. That where you've not been standing, where you may have given up ground, today, you're going to take that ground back. And in God's strength, you're going to start moving forward and new things are going to happen. Doors are going to be open for you. Father, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for your great church. And I pray for each and every one of us here right now that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with power. Lord, we want to see the sick healed. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see our buildings full to overflowing. We want to see the kingdom of God come. You told us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray for a move of the power of the kingdom of God upon downer market and in the surrounding towns and villages. Lord, upon every man, woman, boy and girl in this church. God, bless them. Bless us. Fill us with power in Jesus' name.